0: talking last week and uh, i hardly got started on my notes about exercising your jesus giving authority over the enemy and i mentioned that we are so i'm gonna recap just quickly here we're living in a day of tremendous uh spiritual challenge and really uh, a spiritual warfare how many knows spiritual warfare is not way out here in the ether wave somewhere it's between your ears and, and and you hear things and you're constantly bombarded with thoughts and ideologies and it's strong and it's very strong today. We need to know that in our future Jesus has equipped us for this season. How many knew that how many know Jesus knew you'd be living right now with the challenges that we face? And how many know he's already equipped us to make it through this time? The good news is we win. How many know regardless of the battle, you win? When I first came to Jesus over forty six years ago, I was a a pessimist, but I started reading the Bible and it twisted my personality. I became an optimist. And you know what? I don't care what you're going through. Jesus wants you to make it through it. Now, and you know, all these things we were more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. Yes or no? Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. How many know the Bible says that? How many know the Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen? I'm gonna wake y'all up today. Y'all have... Y'all got an extra hour of sleep. Give me a break. Come on, wake up. All right. God wants you to win. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just is as a shining light that gets gets brighter and brighter until the day Jesus comes back. Yes or no? It's amazing. God has made a way for us, a way in the wilderness, streams in the desert. So, again, Satan is working tirelessly behind the scenes in every area of life today seeking to hinder uh, the plan and purpose of God and bring a final rebellion against God um, that culminates in the reign of a person called Antichrist, man of sin, man of lawlessness, several words that uh, describe this person that will rise up that will actually be, be unction. Some people think uh, 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 possessed by the devil who, who will be everything God isn't and he'll have some answers for the human race. The good news is, the good news is if we choose to bow our life at the feet of Jesus, he empowers us with spiritual authority to overcome every challenge and every problem and to keep the enemy out of our life. Yes or no? So last week, I, I, it wasn't in my notes, it was spontaneous and it surprised me as much as you. And uh, But I talked about Satan's origin. A lot of people today, when you start talking about this realm, about a person that has never seen uh, but it's obvious that he is alive and well because of what he's doing. When you start talking about Satan, people turn intellectual. People turn you off. Well, you're just talking about the devil. That's just a you know. That's a that's a ah, come on man. That's, that come. I didn't mean to say that. Come on man. No, it's a reason. A lot of people just discount that he even exists. So we looked at Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. And I've got 10 points I summarized, so I think I can do this in two minutes. And I'm going to try not to get off on this. It's in the notes. The notes, again, are online. But I want you to hear this again. Satan is uh, working behind the scenes today to hinder the purposes of God worldwide. And you need to know that. Some people are so afraid of him, they don't want to talk about him. And they think that you're uh, not smart to talk about him either. If you talk about him, you can expose him and show Jesus authority that he's given you over him. Yes or no? But you don't need to be afraid to talk about what he's doing. So here's 10 things I mentioned last week. He's a fallen angel from Ezekiel 28. And Isaiah 14, he's a fallen angel that was given abilities by God. He was the anointed cherub, it's a type of angel. He loves the beautiful and the sensual. We made comments about all that. He loves music, and he still does, so you need to watch what you listen to. He loves music, seeks to use it to accomplish his goals. Uh, Number three, he loves authority. He was in some way in charge, uh, many people believe, uh, of the protection of, of the throne of God in heaven before he fell. He was right there in God's presence, but he was kicked out of heaven to the earth because of pride and gossip. He gossiped among the angels saying he was better than God and could do a better job than he does. And now he acts, since he's fallen to the earth, he acts like a mafia chieftain. Nobody knows his name, nobody knows where he lives, uh, nobody wants to talk about him, but but he's got his hand in everything that's happening. How many hear me? He works behind the scenes in subterfuge or beneath the surface where nobody sees, knows. He works in subterfuge to reach his goals. Number four, he loves to divide so he can conquer. He creates division and strife wherever possible. So anytime you get involved in division, strife in your home, in your family, in your church, in whatever, how am to know you're doing the devil's work. He loves to use, number five, a person's pride to his advantage. He was full of pride. He had an eye problem, Isaiah 14 says, and he was kicked out of heaven because of his pride. Number six, he oversees a hierarchy of fallen angels and demonic forces that work against God in his kingdom in every level of life. And we'll see this in just a minute. He's a deceiver. In fact, the first thing that Jesus told the disciples when they asked him what the world would be like just before his second coming, the first thing he said, this is mentioned in Matthew 24, this is mentioned in Mark 13, this is mentioned in Luke 21, that gives the record of the disciples asking Jesus what the world would be like before he comes. And Jesus, the the first thing he said, take heed, be aware that not one person deceives you. So the number one trait of the time just before Jesus returns is that it will be a time of tremendous deception. How many hear what I'm saying? In fact, Jesus in John uh, 8, 44, he said, You are of your father the devil, talking to the religious people of his day. Uh, He hadn't read Dale Carnegie's book yet, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He just cut to the chase sometimes, you know. I'm joking. But, um, but he said, you're of your father, the devil, and he said at the end of that, he says, for he is a liar and the father of it. So a person engaged in deceptive practices and lying is being used as a tool of God's arch enemy, Satan. Yes or no? Wow. Uh, number eight, uh, right now he's involved in creating an environment of deception in order to force a one world government that unites Uh, The nations politically, economically, spiritually. His boldest move will be the person, as I mentioned, Antichrist, who seeks. Global unity and autonomy over every human on earth. There is a global initiative, and those that are talking about this, uh, their goal is by the the start of the next decade, the world has combined governments, ideologies, religion, finances, and then everybody just kind of flows together in one utopian paradise. It's not going to work out that way, my friends. It's a deceptive fraud Um, Number nine, our political system has been corrupted by him. Our financial system has been corrupted by him. That is Satan. Our legal system has been corrupted by him. Our social structure and fabric has been corrupted by him. Church life is corrupted by him. When believers compromise with sin and the cultural trends of the day and water down the word of God, We as the church, how many know this? Number 10, we're going to bounce off of this. We've been given authority over him. But to exercise that authority, you've got to cleanse yourself from distractions. We'll talk about it in a minute. If you're going to walk in the authority that Jesus has given the church. Yes or no? So I've got six points, and I tried to get to the first point last week, and that's what we talked about. Uh, I've got six points about your authority in Christ. I want you to get, become aware of. If I don't get through today, we always have next Sunday, right? That's why it's great to be a pastor. Number one, Satan has authority right now on earth. Watch this. Most people don't know this. Uh, that was given to him by Adam when he chose to sin. Luke ten eighteen. The disciples were excited. They went out by twos and were preaching in the name of Jesus and demons were coming out. They would say, in the name of Jesus, come out. And boy, people would just, woo, get set free. And they said, even demons are subject to us through your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Wow. See, he fell from heaven. God kicked him out because of his rebellion and because of his pride. And he fell to the earth, and when he fell to the earth, he sought to get even with God by corrupting the human race and stealing. What's this? Stealing the human race's relationship with God, number one, but secondly, uh, grabbing the authority that God gave Adam and Eve. Genesis one twenty six is not in the notes let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth it wasn't a, it was an earthwide dominion they adam and eve actually became god's under rulers on the earth when he created them and he gave them a measure i preached on this so much in the past he gave them a measure of his all authority by which he governs the universe right people don't realize this god literally gave the human race a measure of authority uh, over the earth to take care of it. Now we know that, Luke 4, watch this. Jesus in his wilderness temptations. Listen listen to this one, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 5. This is New King James. Then the devil taking him, Jesus, on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and the glo- and their glory. Now, Now how did he... How did he show him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time? At the t- time, uh, Rome ruled the Middle East at the time, and it could be just a, Roman, a symbol of Roman authority on, on top of a building that he pointed to and said, look at that right there. That represents all of the authority around here. They rule the world around here, and he said, All this authority I will give you, and their glory for this has been delivered to me. What has been delivered to me? All of the authority of the kingdoms of the world has been given to me, delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, all will be yours. Now that was a lie. You know, it's uncanny. The enemy has an ability to take what you know, a measure of truth about you, about your past, about what you're dealing with now. And it's true, and it says, You know, yada yada yada. And you say, Well, that's right, and then put a little twist on it. Is that true? That's how he he tempted Eve, right? Has God said you'll not die? You won't die the day you eat of that fruit that God said don't touch. No, you'll be smart like God. You'll be smart as God. Why don't you go ahead and do that? See, he takes what you know and twists it. That's why you got to watch what comes into your thought life. Yes or no? So again, all this authority I give you for it has been delivered to me. Who gave Satan the authority over the kingdoms of the world? Um, I submit to you that when Adam and Eve sinned, and we're going to look at it in just a minute, they gave their authority away. They committed high treason against God. A beautiful thing that God gave them, they gave away to God's archenemy, Satan. He said, It's been delivered to me. Adam and Eve gave it to him. Hebrews 2, 6 through 8. This is a contemporary English version. I just like the way this version um, said this. Somewhere in the scripture, someone says to God, What makes you care? About us humans, why are you concerned for weaklings such as us? And this is from the 8th Psalm. Uh, Verse 7, you made us lower than the angels for a while, yet you have crowned us with glory and honor, and you have put everything under our power. And that's going back to Genesis 126. God originally gave humankind authority over the earth. Uh, uh, Satan, he was telling the truth when he said it was delivered to me. And you have put everything under our power. God has put everything under our power and has not left anything out of our power. And then that last statement, see, that, that, that's the pivot point. But we still don't see it under our, all under our power. What is not under our power? All the kingdoms of the world. What happened? Somebody grabbed it. Somebody took it from the human race. Who was that? Well, it happened to be Satan. Satan. Adam gave our authority away when he sinned. He committed high treason against God, gave what God gave humanity over to Satan, and so Satan was given Adam's authority over the earth. Now, what you need to know, it seems as though that was a time-limited dominion. It wasn't for eternity. It wasn't forever. It was for a period of time. In Matthew 8, Jesus was delivering a person from demonic bondage, and the demon spirits spoke through the person's mouth And suddenly crowd out saying, Matthew 8, 29, What have we to do with you, Jesus, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? What time? Evidently, there was a limit to the dominion that Adam and Eve had. And then when it was transferred to Satan, he understands that it is a limited dominion. Hebrews, I mean, I'm sorry, Revelation 12 It mentions the fact, and I'll read it in just a minute, that Satan comes down in great wrath just before Jesus returns, knowing he has but a short time. So just those two scriptures, we see that this uh, earth-wide dominion that God gave humanity to oversee the earth under his care, it was a time-limited thing. So the bottom line is, Satan has a legal right—maybe not moral right—but he's got a legal right to be here, and God can't just dispossess him of his authority and just uh, make a French fry out of him and and throw him into hell. He can't do that. If he could do that, and he didn't do that, then he's done us a big disservice. Y'all are mighty quiet. Are you just thinking? See, God couldn't just say, devil, no, you shouldn't have done that. Come here. I'm going to put you in your place. No, God has to legally, legally obey the laws he set in place to govern the universe. God is love, and God is pure, and God is perfect. He can't break his own laws. You ever think about it that way? People wonder why the devil's loose. People wonder why there are problems in life. Well, he's got a legal right to be here. God kicked him out of heaven and he's upset with God because he lost his place of dominion in heaven. If you want to get after it and make somebody aggravated, mess with their children. What you do if somebody tries to mess with your children? We may just see the worst in you. We often often use the metaphor of a mother bear. You're going to bring the mama bears out if you mess with their kids. Well, Satan messed with uh, with the, the human race, and he thought he would get God to act out of character. And so God's had such patience that he's allowed Satan to have the dispossessed authority that Adam had and use it against us. And that's what's going on right now. Uh, some people may laugh at me when I say that, but there's too much in the scriptures that, that vouch for what I'm saying. 1 John five nineteen. John said, We know that we are the children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. I mean, those are bare bone facts, aren't they? Either that's in the Bible or it isn't. Either it's true or it's not. I believe it's true. Do you? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, New Living Translation. Um, we, you, you used to live in sin, Paul said, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. And then it calls the devil the commander of the powers of the unseen world. And then it goes further and say he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So there are demonic forces, including Satan himself, that are at work to hinder the work of God in human life, in communities, in states, in nations, in families, yes or no? Then, of course, it's often uh, repeated, Ephesians 6, 12, for our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and and against spiritual forces of evil. In the heavenly places, there is a high orarchy of levels of power in the demonic realm that seek to uh, create a dark canopy uh, around the earth that seeks to hinder the workings of the kingdom of God worldwide again I mentioned revelation twelve twelve. therefore rejoice O heavens you who live in the heavens rejoice terror will come to the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you in great anger knowing he has little time so uh, you could call it a lease of dominion that God gave Adam and Eve that was transferred to Satan When Adam and Eve obeyed him by disobeying God and what he told him to do in the Garden of Eden. And that lease of dominion, here's what you gotta know it ends at the second coming of Christ. Why do you think things are so stirred up right now? Why is there such angst in every area of life? It's because Satan's come down in great wrath. He knows his time is short and he's up in the ante, so to speak. He's aware, he is aware that his ruling days on earth will at some point come to a climactic end his trump card is antichrist and he thinks he'll exert enough control worldwide that god's purposes will be hindered but how many know it's not going to work we read the end of the book he's going to be dispossessed absolutely defeated satan will be thrown into the lake of fire where he'll stay for eternity and i look forward to watching that boy fry because he has messed with my life too much how many hear me Right now, here's what you got to know. He has a legal right to rule over mankind. You can't make him not be and do what he is because he's got a legal right to be there. He got it from Adam and Eve when they chose to disobey God. Now, here's what I want you to see. Number two, Jesus went to the cross as the representative man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Jesus is called two things. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, verse 47, it calls Jesus the second Adam then it also calls Jesus the last Adam. Why does it call Jesus the second Adam? It calls Jesus the second Adam because he's the first person born since Adam sinned, Adam being Adam and Eve, the human race. First person born since they sinned that was born in relationship with God out from under Satan's jurisdiction. He had no sin in his own life and he wasn't mortal. Satan had no claims on him. Even death had no claims on him. He was in certain places and people got so aggravated with him, they were going to push him off of a hill. He just turned around and said, hey, y'all, and just walked right through them. He wasn't mortal. He was immortal. Death had no hold on Jesus. Why? Because he was the son of God. Because his father was God himself. He was born of a virgin named Mary that we're going to celebrate in December next month, right? That made Jesus unique, so he's called the second Adam. He's also called the last Adam. So, so, so two things to know about this second Adam and this last Adam. Number one, when Jesus, when, when Jesus uh, uh, went to the cross, the Bible says he was made to be our sin. Now, I don't know how God did that, but 2 Corinthians 5.21 is really clear. Him who knew no sin on his own, became a sin for us, become our sin. That means every thought, word, action, deed, motive, etc. that is wrong that we've participated in was laid on Jesus on the cross. So he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God gave our sin to him so that we could be right with God through him. So God gave him our sin when he rose from the dead. He gave us his standing with God. He said, let's, let's trade. Let's trade places. I took your sin. You can have who I am. You can be who I am. You can stand before God the way I do, and you can be free. <laughs> now, you know, that just makes you want to dance a little bit. Second thing. Second thing that Jesus did as the second Adam, he not only took our sin judgment, listen, but he also, as the representative man, gave us back the authority that Adam and Eve lost when they sinned. Now that is a cool thing to think about. and that's the reason Revelation 118. I am he who lives and was dead, was alive forevermore. and I have the keys. Keys represent authority. I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus saying, he was saying, "I'm the representative man." I've, been, I've gained some new authority and I'm gonna give it to you, he said later. How many, hear, how many hear me? Jesus had authority over the demonic realm prior to the cross, did he not? But when he was raised from the dead, he, he, said, he said, I'm he who was, live, who was alive and I died and I'm alive forevermore. So he was making a statement. Number three, Jesus' resurrection gives you a delegated authority over the devil. Now, I want to show you how. Here it is. Let me define authority. First of all, a power to require and receive submission, the right to expect obedience, superiority derived from a status that carries with it, the right to command and give final decisions, or delegated power over others. Authority. Now, you know, uh, many of us in the room, you you walk in a measure of authority. A husband should, should walk in a measure of authority and oversee his family. Yes or no? The husband should be the head of the family. Yes or no? That's another sermon for another day, isn't it? And then, you know, you may be working on your job. You carry a level or a measure of authority, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was raised from the dead as the representative man. And listen to Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came just before he ascended to heaven. He'd already conquered sin, became our sin sacrifice on the cross, uh, died was raised from the dead and then just before he ascended to heaven jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth now that's a huge statement again jesus already had the authority he had it before the prior to the cross demon spirits would fall down scream out and he'd say come out and they had to obey him he had authority over the uh, over over um, the laws of physics on the earth, he had authority over demonic forces, over sickness and disease and fear, and all those things. He exercised that prior to the cross. But when he said, "All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth," he was standing there as the representative man. Check this out: He's the first human being to be ra- to, to 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 have died in sin. How many know he became your sin? Not just physically, sin's more than a physical thing. Jesus spiritually was separated from God. Now think about it. If sin was just a physical thing, you could pay for your own sin by dying yourself. No, sin's more than that. Sin's a spiritual thing. Jesus became your sin sacrifice spiritually. And so when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God turned his back on him. And he was ostracized, separated from God. And God counted your sin on him. Right? So so then when he was raised from the dead, he came alive unto God. Several people I've read after say that perhaps that Jesus was the first human being, understand he's the God-man, that really experienced a rebirth in that In that sin is separation from God, right? Spiritual. Jesus was spiritually separated from God. When he was raised from the dead, he came alive. Then the Holy Spirit came on him. And he was raised from the dead. You know, Jesus had to trust that when he went, died and then went to the paradise side of hell, that somehow God would get him out of there. Would you be willing to do that for people that Are yet to be born? Jesus did. He had to trust that God could raise him back up. I know it's it's, it's heady stuff because Jesus is God, but God's also seated on the throne, right? And then the Holy Spirit's also God. The Holy Spirit came on him and he was resurrected. Yes or no? Just making the point that when Jesus said, all authority's been given to me, he said that as the representative new creation man, the representative believer, All authority's been given to me. You know what he was saying? The authority that God had, a measure of his all authority that he gave to Adam and Eve that they gave away. When I was raised from the dead as the representative man as the second Adam, God gave me that authority again. I actually took the authority that Satan was given when Adam said, I got it back. All authority's given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he said, go ye. Go ye. You go. He actually gave that authority to us. Is that good or not? That word authority is the word in the Greek exousia. It just means a delegated It actually means two things. It means an all authority. And then it means an authority that is derived or delegated. It's a delegated authority. So, you know, in our world, we see that all the time. Of course, you know, a common picture of that is a, a police officer. A traffic officer or whatever, they got a badge on. Somebody comes with a badge on, or, you know, some person from a government agency. They knock on the door. Need to see so and so, they leave here. Uh huh, I am he. Flip, they flip the badge. What does the badge say? The badge says, I have an authority that's greater than me. I've got something behind me that's bigger than, uh, than, than, than my human person can contain. And though, though I may be little of statue, and I might not be very pretty to look at. When you see that badge, you got to listen to what I say, whether you like me or not. Right? Did you know that Satan has to recognize the, the delegated authority that Jesus gave you? And that in the spiritual realm, as it were, you have a badge of authority. It doesn't matter how wimpy you look or how strong you look. It's not a fleshly thing. It's a spiritual thing. You can be short. You can be tall. You can be big. You can be small. It don't matter. It's a spiritual thing. In fact, in the spiritual world, you're wearing clothes, you have the whole armor of God. You've got a helmet called salvation on your head where God ministers life to you. You've got a breastplate in the spirit realm called righteousness. The breastplate covers your vital organs so the enemy can't hurt you and hinder you. You've got a breastplate of righteousness in the spirit realm. You've got a, a belt, a girdle of truth, the word of God that undergirds you. You've got a shield called the shield of faith in the realm of the spirit. Your shoes, you've got shoes in the spirit realm and they represent a foundation of the word of God in your life but here's the problem with most believers they take their badge off and lay it down then they take their clothes off and we take our spiritual clothes off when we choose to disobey God and walk in the flesh if you're walking in sin and you say you're a believer you just lost all of your authority and your badge is laying on in the dirt you got it Satan will play a game of bluff, try to get you into, into a place where you're disobeying God and then mess with you so much when you do disobey that you feel like you can't get back and nothing could be further than the truth. If you do some dirt time, put your nose on the floor, say, oh, God, help me, I've sinned, you can put your clothes back on get your authority back. I'm going to get it. You know, I was in Siberia in 1996, so I've been there twice, Omsk, And then another place called, um, anyway, it's a big long name, Verznivartovsk. Anyway, one time in 1996, other time in the year 2000, and I met Bruce McDonald. Some of you know Bruce. And uh, we traveled through India, Africa eventually, but I met him in Siberia. And I think I've told this story before, it bears repeating under the auspices of authority. And, and something happened that really shocked me. I was with an entourage of uh, 15, 20 people from the States. And uh, at the time in 96, there was just a huge revival all over the former Soviet Union, all 12 time zones, including Siberia. And churches were being established. Bruce himself, I think, established over 800 churches in the former Soviet Union. And I was privileged to be a, privileged to be a part of a team uh, that Bruce actually went with to uh, go to Siberia. And so anyway, we were in an ice skating rink preaching the gospel. We had several thousand people saved in, in three days' time. It was really amazing time. And people responded to the altar call, came to Jesus, were born again. And then and then the guy that I went with, with Evangel Fellowship International, uh, he said, Houston Miles, he said, He uh, said, Bruce, I want you to go and pray for the sick. So I'd never met Bruce. He was part of our entourage, but never met him. But anyway, so he came up and, uh, in the ice skating rink and stood there on the platform on the ice. It was cold as, oh, goodness. And uh, so he just started talking and just gave a little synopsis on healing and then invited people that wanted to be healed to come down. To our surprise, no kid, at least 2,000 people came down. And I'm thinking, <clears throat> how's he going to do this? He's going to be here all night. And so Bruce just stood there and he said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pray for all of you in a mass prayer, one prayer, and God's going to heal you right where you're standing. So he began to pray, and at the very end of his prayer, he said this, and I command every demon spirit that has messed with any person in this room, and he did that. just, I'm going to do it just the way, come out! And y'all, when he said come out, I mean, I can see it in my mind, no less than, 30 people all at the same time immediately hit the dirt hit the ice and they just started reading you know whatever i thought okay this is a bit cuckoo for me what do i do with this you know and then i noticed this then we had uh, 21 teaching services in a local church and we recorded them for the new believers to teach and help them and then we had night meetings at the church and it was in an uh you know, the, the Russians have some beautiful theaters, and it was in a big theater with an orchestra pit and all that. And uh, anyway, so at the very end of the teaching night, teaching session several times the same thing happened. We'd have a bunch of people respond for healing, and uh, the overseer of the meeting, Houston Miles, would say, Bruce, come and pray for the sick, because he had an anointing for healing. And, and we had a whole line of people right down the whole front, right in front of the orchestra pit, right here. I still see him. And he'd pray for the sick, you know. I mean, just bunches of people. And he did the same thing. Come out! And when he said "come out," oh my goodness, they hit them. You got five or six people in the line. I got him to the side. I said, "Okay, you got to tell me who you are and what you're doing." What was that? Because I'd never seen that. And you know what he said to me? These people worship icons. You know, they have the you know, the religious churches there. You know, and he said they have statues of the saints. And they've got, he said they've got them on their mantles. And then they'll light candles. You know, like a lot of religions, they'll take their gods and light candles and throw layers of flowers or, you know, put some fruit there to say they're honoring that particular god. Well, for them, their gods were icons of the saints of yesteryear. And, uh, and, and so they worship those. And he said when they worship, those demon spirits come and inhabit their bodies and enforce what they are, whether it's anger or lust or, you know, control or whatever it is, fear. And he said, all it is is when I said, in the name of Jesus. And here's what he said that got me. He said, these demon spirits here, they haven't heard the name of Jesus spoken with power in hundreds of years. I mean, I never thought about that. And he said, when I did that, I knew who I am in Jesus. When I said, come out, they had to listen. Because for the first time in a long time, somebody who knew who they were, who had their badge on, who had their clothes on, spoke and they had no recourse but to obey now y'all that rocked my world did you hear me i said man that's pretty so i I spent i've been i spent a lot of time i've been all over india with with uh, with bruce we've had i mean i don't have time to tell you all the experiences we had but you know it was obvious that there is a devil and there is a god and there is a wrestling match and we are on the bigger end of that wrestling match. And that we have a badge of authority that the enemy has to recognize if you'll walk with God and, and live a, beyond sin and live a repentant lifestyle. How many hear me? Now, I got to stop. I got a whole lot more to say. Uh, I've got to get through point four, point five, and point six. And there's a lot to say there. So I'm going to stop right there. I just want to encourage you. You got to know that you as an individual believer have authority over the devil that you don't need to be afraid of him. You don't have to be afraid of exposing him. You don't have to be afraid of anything about him because as far as you are concerned, if you're walking with God, he's a defeated boy. He's being whipped by Jesus as long as you keep your badge on and your clothes on. Keep your spiritual clothes on and you have authority over the enemy. You say, Pastor, what if I've disrobed myself? Repent. When you repent, God gives you a robe called the robe of righteousness. And he puts it back on. And then you get to put your armor back on. You can put your helmet on. You can put your breastplate on. You can put your belt back on. You can put your shoes back on. Put your shield up. And then you got the sword of the Spirit that I mentioned earlier, the word of God. And when you speak God's word, the enemy's got to leave you. How many hear me? So we're in the middle of a huge spiritual fight right now. I and mean, it's huge. And every level, uh, political, uh, financial, uh, circumstantial, Um, in our culture with respect to human relations. It's just horrible, horrible. These things that uh, people are trying to teach our children, the transgenderism and all that that goes with that, it is demonic. It is from the pit. It is the reason that it looks like meteorites destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Did you hear me? If you celebrate that, you're going to have some huge problems with God. How many hear me? And people that celebrate that, they have no authority of the enemy. In fact, they've taken all of their spiritual clothes off. I know believers who have. They've taken they've laid their badge down and said, "Well, you can be whatever you want to be today." No, no. God made sex for marriage. And God wants you to live a pure life and he wants you to be honest. And, and not be a liar in your business life and in your professional life. Yes or no? Yes. What, you, what people see is what they get. It should be you don't live a facadish life. And God is coming after the church today. And we're going to pray it out and pray it in and pray it up. God's after me. He's after you. He wants to clothe you with His power. How many hear me? Do you realize how many people want to end their life and kill themselves? Do you realize how many people are in bondage to now? Drugs, alcohol, pornography, all kinds of things to try to sedate themselves and feel better about themselves because life is weird now. Is it true? But see, God wants to give you some exquisite joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He wants to give us such a fellowship with Him that every day we light a fire in the spirit realm. It ought to be like you're burning like fire. I got one of my books, uh, one of the guys uh, was in Africa and, and he got one of these uh, guys that were into uh, voodoo and all that kind of stuff, so got him converted and he said, you know, we fast and pray to we see in that other room. He said, any time a believer come around that was filled with the Holy Spirit like I talked about earlier, said in the spirit realm, that you got a big fire all the way around you. He said, we knew not to mess with him because that'd tear us up. You, my friends, you have at your disposal the very power of God. And you have authority in Jesus' name. And you can take authority in your own life. We'll get to this next week. If fear comes your way, you have authority to say, "Uh uh-uh, not now, get away from me in Jesus' name. Fear of sickness, fear of calamity, fear of disaster, fear of losing your business, fear of losing your money, fear of uh, your family falling apart, whatever, you can resist it in Jesus' name. The, 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 The thing necessary to start with is, Put your badge on, put your clothes on, repent of sin. If you've been living like you know you shouldn't, listen, what's the antidote? Repent. 1 John 1, 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Is that good news? What does that mean? Well, when you do that, God forgives and cleanses your sin, forgets any wrong you've ever done in your whole life and then you pick your clothes up and put them on and then you pick your badge up and put it on and you say, devil, get out of my life. Get out of the life of my spouse. Get out of my children's lives. I bind you. Get away from my money. Get away from my stuff. You leave me in Jesus' name, right? But if you do nothing, he laughs at you and there's a lot of laughing going on today. Did you hear me? So don't be a half believer. It's time to give our lives fully to Jesus. How many hear me? If you'll give your life completely without compromise to Jesus, God can use you to set people free. Yes or no? Every person in this room, the only reason I'm doing what I do is because God put a ministry office on my life, a pastor, teacher. Other than that, I'm just like you. And my goal and job is, when I'm out in the world, is to share Jesus with people. When the Lord points people out to me, I go to them and I just say whatever He puts on my heart. It may be large or small. And then I may say, can I pray with you very quickly? And they either allow me or they disallow me. But see, you start praying and believing God to start your day. And God starts using you to set people free. Once you get free, God uses you to set other people free. And that's what He wants to happen today. Yes or no? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, for, for the very life of God that is in your word. The words that I speak, Jesus said, are spirit and they are life. Your word contains you. Your word contains your ability. Your word contains what you are. Your word is inspired. And Lord, thank you that your word does not return, turn useless and empty, but accomplishes what you want it to. In every life in the room, every life and every person watching, your word is accomplishing things. And let it work right now. If there's any person here in the room or watching online doesn't know Jesus as Savior or or they've known Jesus but gotten away from Him because they're living in known sin, I ask you, dear Father God, give them a heart to repent. Give them a desire to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God and break with what they've been involved in that they know themselves is wrong in Jesus' name. Lord, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us In Jesus' name, Lord, let that be known by every person in the room, every person watching, in Jesus' name. And Lord, let there be those that give their lives to Jesus today.